Welcome to Brave Business Bite Size. As the name suggests, our Bite Size episodes are shorter than our main podcast series and focus on a single timely topic. I'm Neil Lancaster, a partner in the private client team at Blick Rothenberg. And in today's Bite Size episode, I'm joined by corporate tax partner, Heather Self. And we're looking at what the Chancellor's 2023 spring budget statement means for both individuals and businesses. Heather, quite an interesting budget today in a number of respects. Uh, what are your key initial reactions to it? I think it was a very competent budget, unlike the, the quasi quarting car crash of last year. He's very much trying to reassure the markets. And I think what he's really trying to do is to stimulate some growth in the economy so that when we come to an election, almost certainly next year, he can say, look, everything's getting better. But has he done enough to stimulate growth? Are all these policies really just slow burn items other than some of the capital expenditure things which we'll come on to, are they really just slow burn items which don't do enough for growth over the coming years? It's always difficult to actually stimulate growth. I think the stuff on childcare, if they can make it work, I think that could be huge because I think there's a lot of people on average earnings who would like to get back into the workforce, but childcare is just too expensive. On the business side, we'll come back to what the detailed changes are, but the boost to investment spending for big businesses could be a real help, again, if the, they actually have the money to spend. Yeah, and you, and you talk about getting people back to work. And of course, there were two key policies there. One was the pensions reliefs, which we'll come on to in a moment, and one was the childcare. So on the pension side, we've, we've uncapped effectively the lifetime allowance for pensions. So whereas you could only previously save up to 1.07 million um, into your pension without paying, paying a a large lifetime allowance charge. Now that's been uncapped to an unlimited to an unlimited amount. Um, the the annual allowances have also increased from forty to sixty k. And as you say, there have been some changes as well on the childcare side. So on the pension side, I think it's important to say that this is only going to affect those who are already earning a decent amount. I believe the average personal pension pot in the UK is only about £30,000. This is not aimed at the man in the street or the woman in the street. But somebody who is particularly a hospital consultant, where for them, they're on a very generous final salary scheme, they were hitting this ceiling and they were saying, it's not worth working anymore. I might as well retire and enjoy doing something else important for them. Other people it will impact. Quite a lot of civil servants are still on pretty generous pension schemes. If you're a civil servant, you've been in the civil service for most of your working life and you're earning perhaps 60 to 80,000, this will help you. And the other people are people who've got their own pensions, not final salary schemes, but personal pension schemes, who are earning decent sums of money. So partners in big accounting and law firms, entrepreneurs, they can save more readily into their pensions and the annual contribution, the ceiling's gone up from 40 to 60, which is a big increase. And there's also another little tweak hidden away that if you had drawn some money back from your pension, you could only put £4,000 a year in. Now it's going to be 10000 So I think for people at the higher end of the income scale, this is really going to encourage them to put more into their pensions. That's right. And, and I think that, that latter point really hits people earning over 300000 or more. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Whether that's going to make them come back to work sooner, I'm far from convinced. It might stop some people who were getting close to the ceiling from being re from retiring, but other people who actually have got a goal of retiring to do other things, this lets them save for their pension faster. They might retire earlier. So it's a bit contradictory. 
So we've mentioned about pensions. What about the childcare um, policy specifically as well? I think this is going to have a much bigger impact because it's going to be a real benefit to people on average moderate earnings for whom childcare is frankly just too expensive. To take a very personal example, my son and daughter-in-law are expecting their first baby in June. They're on average earnings. This is going to mean my daughter-in-law is going to be able to get back into the labour market sooner and the childcare support will be a big boost to her, provided, as always, they can actually get it to work. You're going to need more people working in nurseries. You're going to have to pay them enough. And the nursery is getting the subsidy payments from government. That's going to go up, but it still needs to be enough for them to actually provide the care. Sure. And there was a recognition that there's going to be difficult to get that ratio of children to carers up. And I think there are um, some in, some moderate in, you know, cash incentives to get people to work in the profession, but whether that will be enough it, you know, remains to be seen. Yes, and also it's not going to come in immediately. So there were some instant comments on the radio I heard from people who already had children of you know, 12 to 18 months saying, great, this will be life-changing. Well, no, it's going to come in initially 15 hours per week for two-year-olds from September this year, I think and then 15 hours from nine-month-old children from April next year, and then the full 30 hours a week for every child over nine months from September 2025. So it's going to be phased in over 18 months. And one of the other big areas of the budget, Heather, today was, you know, the Chancellor noted we are expected to avoid a technical recession, albeit we will dip into negative growth before we, we dip back out of that. But over the next 12 to 18 months, the Chancellor is clearly trying to get big corporates to spend in the economy. Many companies clearly get full tax relief already for their capital expenditure, but we've now had announced for a period of three years today this full capexing uh, or full expensing of capital expenditure. Maybe you could give your thoughts on, on that. Well, it's actually going back to the system we had up to 1984. So we're going a long way back in the tax system. We've got a higher rate of corporate tax. It's going to be 25%. For, and that's only for businesses earning more than at least 50,000 a year. If you're a small business, the rise doesn't affect you. And then if whatever a large business spends on its capital expenditure, it can set off in full against its tax bill. Again, for smaller businesses, they get what's called the annual investment allowance. And that's now set at a million pounds a year. That's enough for over 90% of businesses anyway. So this measure is aimed at big businesses, but it's expensive. Um, I've got in front of me the uh, detailed red book from the government. And on page 77, we can see that the cost of this one measure is 8 billion next year, 10.5 billion the year after, and 8.5 billion the year after that. So it's a really significant boost to big business. But it's probably not going to mean that they suddenly decide to go out and do a major new project. What it will do is affect the timing of expenditure. I think you'll see projects being brought forward so that hopefully that does stimulate the economy in the short term. And of course, that's what the Chancellor wants. We're, in, we're heading towards an election year next year. What's your view on whether you think that was the better approach to leaving the current corporation tax rate at 19% and avoiding the increase to 25%? It's difficult. And I think part of the trouble is that the increase to 25% was announced by Rishi Sunak a year ago. Kwasi Kwarteng was going to reverse it, and we all know what happened to the market. So back in October, Jeremy Hunt said, no, we have to stick with this. We have to be responsible and prudent. I think it would just have been too difficult politically for him to flip-flop on that. So I think by doing the capital allowances and 
he says it's three years and then we'll make it permanent, but we all know there's an election coming up. What this really is doing is softening the impact of that rise in corporation tax for the first year. And potentially boxing any new government into a corner on, on withdrawing it. Yes. It's always the case that chancellors coming up to an election like to give money away in the hope that they can then say, stay with us, we're the good guys, makes it difficult for whoever an incoming government is. Indeed. So, so overall thoughts, Heather, on this budget, is this a tax giveaway or is it a spending giveaway? Or It's both, actually. Uh, in total, and again, this is the, the red book figures, in total, this is a giveaway of about 20 billion a year, which is a lot in historic terms. And of that, it's roughly seven or eight billion on spending policy and 12 to 13 on tax policy. So on spending, I think the big one is additional money for defence. He's still being quite tight on other department budgets. We're not seeing a lot more money for social care or to resolve the pay disputes in education and so on. Although in fairness, we do know that this is a pre-manifesto budget. We do. He does have a lot of powder left dry after tax receipts from January this year. Yes. So arguably he may well be leaving much of the spending giveaways until after the manifesto has been confirmed. They've got the spending plans up to 2024-25. Again, it's quite embarrassing politically to find money outside the main announcements. I think he's boxed himself into a bit of a corner there. On the tax side, the big one is the uh, capital allowances. The other big one is fuel duty. Yeah. Fuel duty is supposed to go up each year in line with inflation. It's not a percentage of the cost of fuel, so it's not like VAT. If fuel costs a pound and VAT is 20%, they get 20p. If fuel costs £1.50, you get 30p of that. The fuel duty is a fixed amount per litre, and I think it's about 52 point something pence per litre now. So in order just to keep pace with prices generally, it ought to go up by inflation. And that's what the legislation says it will do. But every year since 2011, chancellors have gone, no, we'll freeze fuel duty this year, apart from last year when they cut it by 5p. It's incredibly popular because everybody thinks, great, it saves me money, both individual motorists and businesses. But there are two problems. Well, a number of problems. The first is that the cut doesn't necessarily get passed on at the pump. Yeah, okay. So the money might just be kept by the big oil companies. The second is that it's absolutely against the net zero agenda and trying to become more green. You're encouraging people to keep using their flipping cars. And the third problem is it's really expensive. That six billion or so a year could have been used to fund the NHS, social care and so on. Personally, much as I prefer driving my car to taking the bus, I think that's a poor policy decision. And one final question, Heather, if that's OK. How, how do you think this budget impacts small businesses um, compared to other budgets? I think they'll be a bit disappointed, to be honest. They'll like the cut in fuel duty because they'll hope that that will help with their yeah. costs generally. The changes to corporation tax don't make any difference to them. But the one thing that's missing, and I think you always have to look out for what the Chancellor didn't say, He's provided support on energy bills for domestic customers, but he didn't say anything about more support for business. So businesses are going to have to keep coping with those very high energy bills. Yeah, and of course, for consumers, we have a frozen energy price cap at 2,500. It isn't going to increase to 3,000 as previously planned, but it will stay at 2,500.
although people will lose the additional support they were getting of the sort of £400 over three months. That's exactly right. A few That's months exactly ago. right. So it's good, but not as good as it might be for consumers, but it's definitely an opportunity missed for businesses. I think it's fair to say that the Chancellor has laid the groundwork for the election that we expect to be next year. He now needs to see some results coming from some of these policies over the next 12 months that the party can campaign on. Thanks, Heather, for today's really interesting discussion. If you'd like to find more insights about today's spring budget, please visit our Budget Hub, which you can find at blickrothenberg.com budget. Thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of Brave Business Bite Size.